Welcome into another episode of the Young Purple Podcast. Mason Reiner and Ahmed Gafir. Ahmed, we've hit the bye week. Let's start off with a little bit of football. We'll talk basketball media day in a second. How are we feeling after that tough loss? Yeah, obviously it's a very disappointing game um, coming out of that. Definitely going in a uh, very winnable game. I think everyone kind of expected Maryland to kind of take care of business. And, um, you know, when you kind of just look on paper, look at Illinois, the way that the run defense kind of looked going into the game and chance for Maryland's running running attack to, to kind of pick up the pace. Um, the bad penalties, it felt like um, was probably the, the worst performance to have a, a two-week break until your next game, uh, I would say. But, you know, um, Again, it kind of goes back to you know what we said last episode. I think just terps on terps, um, just kind of reviewing it again. Just felt like the defense just gave up too many of the the, the dumb penalties, and I think that ended up being really the difference. And um, you know the the, the the turnover by Caden Prather was proved to be a momentum swing, and um, just felt like a complete game of what ifs. Um, you know, obviously the good chance that you're able to get a couple of these starters back. Uh, after the Illinois game, but um, you know, I think it, it just chance to uh, kind of reset the standard, what's expected, and um, gonna get get your mind right before uh, that Northwestern game on the road. Yeah, I think the standard is the uh, phrase that, like it always is for Loxley, and that's going to be the rest of the season. You know, looking forward to Northwestern. Obviously, we'll have that preview, but just big picture wise, um, look. You got to boil it down to one thing. You lost a game you probably should have won. Now it's time to steal one, and the Terps uh, got two chances to do that if they want to right the ship and and hit that nine and three mark that I think has been thrown around as really where this team should be given the schedule. Yeah, obviously, I mean nine win season that that includes uh, an upset against either Michigan or Penn State now, and you know again Northwestern, you know that's not uh, that's not a gimme game. I think kind of going into the season maybe you know. Um, you know, I kind of caution, you know, Nebraska, you know, I think it I did initially say that I think it could be the highest scoring game, but you just don't know what that Nebraska team's going to look like. And, you know, Illinois, they, they kind of were expected to be a little bit better and had a little bit more of a down year. Northwestern was kind of supposed to be bottom of the barrel after the Pat Fitzgerald news. But, you know, they they look good through the at least the first four weeks of the season. So just don't think that that game will be uh, – uh, a gimme at all for Maryland. Um, so yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to like what you said, you know, Illinois, definitely a game that Maryland should have won. Um, and I think even at the end of the season, when you look back at the season, that I think that will end up being the game where every Maryland fan says, man, what if, because um, that could alter bowl projections. And, you know, Citrus Bowl has, has been a frequent visitor in, in, in College Park uh, through that first half of the season. So, again, like you said, uh, I think, um, you know, it goes back to the Maryland needing to take care of business. Now, I, I think that they should be able to beat Northwestern, Nebraska. I think they are the better team, but, you know, it's still a road game. And um, we'll see on Penn State, Michigan. I think both of those teams are, are kind of looking really strong right now. And obviously Penn State has a big game this weekend against Ohio State. Yeah, I think uh, many times before it would have been called fan speak. But I think at this point it's just realistic is Maryland's got to win some games in October and November at this point to prove themselves as a program. You know, I think that really down the down the next month and a half to two months, th- that is what this needs to be about for Loxley and his staff. Is that This isn't only about this team. This team has a chance to accomplish something great, to you know have Maryland's best season in the Big Ten. All that stuff, those doors are still open. There's still an opportunity to get some wins down the line. I think it really turns into becoming him proving himself that he's a good coach past September. Now him proving that his program's in a place that he said it was in at the beginning of the season, you know, one of the things that's bothered me from Saturday, not to spend too much time on this, is when in the press conference he said this is still a developmental program. 
Well, a couple months ago, he was saying this program's ready to compete for Big Ten championships. So I think at this point, it's which one is it? Pick one and go with it. And whichever one it is, you got to live up to that standard. Again, using his words, live up to the standard. Well, what is that standard? And he certainly set that bar high at the beginning of the season. Seemed maybe it was a little bit reactionary just in that moment, but backpedaling on that back to one of his old talking points of it being a developmental program. Yeah. And, you know, in the same breath, you know, you hear, I mean, really the last two years a lot from Loxley about, you know, he, he believes Talia is one of the best quarterbacks in the country in the Big Ten. Um, you know, you look at that third and six, given uh, outside zone, uh, Antoine Littleton essentially took the ball out of your best player's hands. So um, I think that's, that, that's another factor that kind of just hasn't really, um, hasn't really uh, gone, gone away just yet. So yeah, obviously, like you said, you know, just kind of resetting those expectations, but yeah. Um, you know, th I think, I think every Maryland football fan, I think they kind of had this and, you know, whether you're uh, a diehard or you're someone that just kind of watches uh, from afar, I think every Maryland fan kind of does have this image that, you know, Maryland in September, that's kind of when Maryland does best. So I mean, when you talk about Loxley needing to prove that he can win in October and November. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's not going to get any easier with uh, USC and, and Oregon on the schedule next year. Um, so, or UCLA, excuse me, or no, your Oregon's next year. UCLA is 2025. But um, yeah, I, again, you know, this is this is really the team that's primed to do it. Um, just kind of felt like through those first five weeks, and I said it on numerous occasions. I know we kind of both echoed that same point, but that this Maryland team does feel a little bit different. Um, this past weekend showed that this Maryland team was showed flashes of some of the the same Maryland teams that we've seen in the years past. So uh, again, it's just kind of getting back to that and being able to, to, to kind of get away with that stigma of not being able to win uh, when it matters. Yeah, certainly uh, a lot of talking points going into the bye week and not many of them on the bright side, which is I think what everybody would have predicted this time uh, a week ago. Would have, It would have been uh, glorious to be able to go six and one bull eligible going into that bye week. Just, Ton of ton of buzz, especially the week after Loxley was named uh, midseason co top coach in the Big Ten uh, by the AP. So uh, definitely, definitely a missed opportunity there. Yeah, certainly is one. And from missed opportunities onto a season of opportunities, let's talk some basketball. But before we get into that, it is pool closing season, and our sponsor, Watercrafters, has everything you need. Whether you're in Montgomery or Howard County, Watercrafters has been providing pool service and supply to those areas for the past 41 years. Watercrafters has all your needs for your swimming pool in their showroom in Gaithersburg, Maryland. You can visit them online at watercrafters.com or stop into their store in the Gaithersburg Air Park. Ahmed, basketball media day yesterday. Uh, let's start off with the man at the helm of the Terps basketball program going into his second year, Kevin Willard. What did he have to say? Yeah, obviously, I think he kind of helped set those expectations kind of for that returning trio, obviously, with Jameer Young, uh, Dante Scott, Julian Reese. Julian Reese was pretty, pretty uh, blunt. You know, he said, hey, we expect him to kick ass. It's just kind of what he does, essentially, just kind of paraphrasing exactly what Willard said there. But, you know, with Jameer Young um, kind of really talked about his ability to kind of slow down and be able to read defenses better, play off the pick and roll a little bit better. You know, just him coming from that Princeton offense over at Charlotte to the live heavy pick and roll offense uh, in year one under Willard. Um, and then, you know, he, he, again, you know, it seems like every time he has a mic in front of him or he's on a, on a podcast, he's reiterating the confidence in that freshman class. And, you know, yesterday he talked about uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith, Jamie Kaiser Jr. and John Lamothe, uh, all those guys being able to come in every single day, staying consistent with those morning workouts. So um, there's a lot of confidence, you know, obviously last year, um, what Maryland fans looked at, and I think, 
Maryland fans took note of to being able to kind of maybe maximize or the guys that had their roles kind of maximize those roles and, and, and that match preseason expectations. But, you know, Willard noted, you know, sometimes we're able to go six, maybe seven deep. But, you know, this year he noted uh, being able to go nine, 10, 11 deep. So um, obviously, uh, Caleb Swinton, Roger down low. Um, he's that guy where he's able to take that next step. He reiterated that confidence. Jordan Geronimo, uh, again, you know, you talked about the physicality that he's been able to add. Uh, that That's another point that came up. But then, uh, obviously, the, the biggest point came in uh, maybe the last two, three minutes of the press conference uh, when Willard noted uh, that Maryland and Georgetown should be resuming uh, and beginning the 2024-25 season. It was pretty interesting to note, you know, uh, I think a lot of fans, as soon as Ed Cooley became the head coach over at Georgetown, felt like it was a matter of when, not if, Maryland and Georgetown would be able to find their way back onto the court together. Um, and Willard noted that it was on Maryland's end this season uh, that they weren't really able to find a date. Uh, it seemed like the the Asheville tournament, uh, that early tournament this year, uh, caught a lot of shade during the press conference, but it granted it's uh, pretty weirdly scheduled. So I, I can't say I blame Willard there, but uh, definitely when you think of uh, the schedule news and whatnot, being able to play against Georgetown, I think is something that every local fan uh, welcomes. Um, and Willard did add that they will be playing in the Empire Classic uh, next year as well to um, add some confidence to that non-conference gets late. Yeah. Uh, immediately addressing what I think a lot of fans, uh, I guess, noticed year over year with this team, which is played in an incredible schedule in the non-con last year. And then this year, not many uh, ticket selling opponents uh, on the docket for yeah. Xfinity Center. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, you know, definitely heard from some people saying, uh, why don't you ask Willard these questions? And, you know, Definitely granted. Uh, I think Willard, especially after year one, kind of uh, embracing the the need to, to schedule a little bit tougher in the non-conference slate. Um, think think he's kind of providing that ra that re uh, that rationalization uh, as to why Maryland kind of wasn't able to maybe beef that up. You know, uh, you know whether good or bad, it, it it is what it is. But I think when you kind of look at what the future, I think that that kind of just adds confidence that that Willard kind of gets it. Um, and it was also interesting to note, uh, obviously, with the additions of uh, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, uh, just with the the Big Ten slate potentially going from 18 games to 22 games and kind of limiting that non-conference slate who you're able to play, you know, um, obviously first two games, usually a uh, smaller school and you go, uh, you know, maybe a, a non-conference or, a, you know, bigger marquee matchup, things like that. So, yeah, obviously, like you said, you're just kind of being able to to beef that up um, and, and kind of, energize the the fan base in college park that a lot of fans have des desperately been looking for for uh quite some time now yeah you mentioned that and then the first thing that sticks to mind it's the perfect time to bring that georgetown game back you don't really have to travel far you know if you start looking at some of those west coast trips that are going to be at this point are you know all, all but done that you're going to be out there probably playing three games in the span of nine days or ten days yeah. um Putting getting being able to find a power six basketball opponent, you know, within your bus trip radius, within where it's easy for your guys to do, yep. the, you'll see those games, those regional rivalries killed by you know conference realignment or not. I'm fairly confident just across the board, you're going to see those games pop back up because those are the teams where it's easy to get get to where you can still say that's a quad one or quad two win come March. And when you look at the team this year, I think that you kind of know what you have out of your Jameer Youngs, Dante Scott, but it's really, you mentioned Calum down low. I think you're going to see Jordan Geronimo in the same uh, breath with him of what can Maryland really get out of 
their their end of rotation players because every coach right now seems to be saying their team is you know 10 deep or eight deep at, at a minimum when it comes down to big 10 play do you really expect those guys to be on the floor this year yeah and i think that's valid and i think you know down low i think a lot of people wanted uh, Caleb Swanton Roger to be able to take that next step. And, you know, he was able to generate that buzz in Italy. Obviously, the competition level wasn't great, but just kind of being able to showcase that he's kind of capable of it. And I think he's going to be that primary guy. Obviously, Braden Pierce, the the freshman uh, seven, seven foot um seven footer um maybe likely you know a year maybe two away from kind of being a, a, that integral piece and well there did caution you know some some just patience with maddie uh Traore there the the forward over from new mexico state who joined the program uh this summer as well um you see it when you watch him play i mean just a long frame that has that length uh that rim protector um so you can just kind of see him just kind of growing into his body you know just kind of having everything click a little bit so I think obviously Big Ten play. I mean, uh, Maddie would probably have to be more of a, you know, um, someone's in foul trouble or, you know, just end of the bench, just kind of maybe one or two minutes here or there. Um, but I don't expect him to, to kind of be that integral piece. Um, but, you know, obviously what Pat Emelian was able to do last year, um, they lost him. And I think that was a guy that probably became a, a fan favorite and second to Jameer Young there. Um, and, and obviously just kind of replacing his production. Jordan Geronimo, the transfer from Indiana, uh, you know, Willard talked about him being able to just add that physicality. But then, you know, when he, he touched on, you know, what he's done to be able to help Maryland win on the road. And he pointed to Geronimo saying, hey, you know, he, he knows what it takes to go on the road. So you expect him to be an integral piece, probably four or five. And, you know, Dante's got to be able to play a little bit of that three as well. Um, so to kind of add some versatility there. So, so in uh, at, at times, so um, definitely will be interesting, but. Um, like you said, you know, every every coach feels pretty confident about their depth, uh, but it does feel like there are multiple new, uh, uh, newcomers that can be those, those impact pieces. Yeah, and, and I'll kind of stick to the guys that are on the roster right now and the impact they need to have. And I think Jahari Long and Noah Batchelor kind of go in, in that same line. You're somewhere – it feels like you look at this team and you look through a lens of you kind of know what the rotation is going to be with the big guys, you know, what your big hitters need to do. Then you have a group of freshmen that that everybody seems to be, talk, you know, hyping up, talking more and more about. And then you really have some of those key pieces. What do you get out of Jahari Long? What do you get out of Noah Batchelor? Obviously, we talked about the front court. Depth seems to be king these days in college basketball. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also think, you know, Jahari Long, I think, um, you know, Merrill doesn't need him to be a scorer. They don't need him to be – I mean, he can, you know, if he can add to, to the perimeter shooting. I think after last season there will be no fan that is going to say, oh, we don't need that. Um, but I think, you know, he's a guy that can kind of come in off the bench. Obviously, Deshaun Harris-Smith, we kind of expect him to be that starting guard alongside Jameer Young. He can also play point guard a little bit. Um, but I think Jahari can just be that guy to help the offense just facilitate the offense a little bit. Um, and then Noah Batchelor, I mean, that's a guy, you know, him and Jamie Kaiser um, Jr. Um, but those guys that think were probably 1A, 1B with maybe Kaiser being 1A there uh, on, you know, Maryland being able to uh, improve their perimeter shooting from a year ago. Yeah. And, and that's something that's obviously on the top of the, I think the wish list of many Maryland fans as this season comes around is where the perimeter shooting is going to look like, where it's going to come from. Also, I think, you know, year two of a coach, Right, it's you brought in a lot of pieces like you already mentioned, Pat Emelian, you know, guys that kind of fill those gaps year one. Now you start to see a program build, and in year three, you'll probably see the kind of the team that Willard wants to have on the floor realistically, as much as the portal can play into that and other pieces can come around. 
and help you out. It does still take a little bit of time to get get your guys on the court. And I think this is if we're going to see it to me, this is the transitional year, even though Maryland's been anywhere from, you know, 19 in the Fox Sports College poll coming to 30 something this year in the AP poll. Honestly, I really don't exactly know what to expect out of this year's team. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think this Maryland team, I mean, you know, they're also picked in that, um, I guess, unofficial Big Ten media poll, uh, finished third in the Big Ten there. I, I mean, I, I think Maryland definitely has the makings to challenge for a Big Ten run. Obviously, Purdue-Michigan State, you know, they 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 definitely are uh, the the top dogs at that race. But, you know, when you talk about just the, the returning pieces and kind of what's expected of Deshaun Harris-Smith and Jamie Kaiser, John Lamothe is another guy. I think, you know, maybe he's a guy that, you know, it'll be interesting to see just how integral in the rotation, what his minutes look like from Big Ten play. Um, but I think he's another guy who's been, been kind of uh, praised for being that combo guard as well. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Maryland being able to just kind of find find the scoring, uh, I think that's going to be the, the, the primary uh, question there. Yeah, if they're going to make a run, I, I think it is scoring. That That's what it's going to come from. Who's your secondary scorer after Jameer Young? Can one of your freshmen step up and be – you know, maybe in that one and done conversation, can can Harris Smith really be the guy that everyone's saying he can be? There's a couple of those things. And and right now, I think it's just I kind of caution everybody. And usually I'm on the optimistic side, but I kind of caution everybody when they talk about this team and the run they can make. Yes, the pieces are there. They're going to take, you know, those hits when they get on the road. You're going to see them be I think, really challenged by what is a just a brutal conference to play basketball in uh, being the Big Ten. It's a very physical league. Generally, it's dominated by upperclassmen. And a team like Maryland, they might be able to get out and run and score, but you know, do they have it down low? Did they find the depth in those key places? And that can really only be seen the way it's scheduled. Maybe you see some glimpses of it, Villanova, but ultimately conference play, as always, will define this basketball team as it does now every team with the 20-plus game schedules that almost every league has. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about just the physicality, I mean, you know, I think, you know, it goes back to Jordan Geronimo just kind of being able to add and just kind of solidify that front court rotation. Uh, obviously, what does Caleb Swainton Roger look like in extended minutes uh, in Big Ten play to be able to fill, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes a game? But, you know, Julian Reese, it's, there's there's no denying that one, um, he struggled to, to kind of stay out of foul trouble. So that's that's still going to be, you know, priority number one for him. Um, and then, you know, being able to kind of stretch the floor for Julian Reese, you know, being able to open up the floor uh, a little bit just kind of for, for others. Um, and that'll be kind of interesting to see. Uh, obviously, you know, Julian's been been kind of working on that through the offseason. You kind of saw him again before practice yesterday working with Greg Manning. And you can kind of see the mechanics look a little bit better. But, you know, um, still still kind of a work in progress. A little bit feels like a little bit of a hitch um, just on it before his release there. But, um I, again, I, I think just kind of being able to solidify that rotation. And then, um, again, it goes back to Jameer and Deshaun, you know, how, how they're going to be able to kind of play off each other a little bit. Um, and if Maryland can find that perimeter shooting consistently, I think it opens up the, the floor spacing for a lot of these guys to be able to find their space, whether uh, Jameer or, you know, Dante or uh, Juju Dunlow. Yeah, a little bit less than a month before the Terps uh, tip it off at Xfinity Center. Ahmed, give us some keys. I know we've kind of been going back and forth through it. Give us some keys to what you think makes a successful run for the Terps. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, I think I think this Maryland team is probably built a little bit better to make a tournament run. Um, I could see a, a Sweet 16 run. Um, I think it's possible just kind of with, A, the, the returning vets, what they've been able to do, and then 
you look at the the incoming pieces that are expected to kind of be this key contributor. You know, we haven't really drilled into Deshaun Harris Smith a ton. You know, I think he's a guy that you know Jamie Kaiser Jr. Obviously, he's a guy that has the work ethic and um, he's very focused and, and driven. And I think that's something that even from well, you know when when he picked up the Maryland offer for football, um, it was very evident that he kind of was you know mentally uh, very mentally mature. But Deshaun Harris Smith, I mean, every single time that Willard has spoke about him. You know, he hasn't been shy. He's probably the most talented freshman that he has had the privilege to coach. No doubt that, you know, freshmen are freshmen. You know, they're not going to be at their at their absolute best day in, day out. Um, but I think just kind of him being able to be to, to kind of shoulder the load uh, from Jameer a little bit. I think you kind of saw that last year from Don Carey um, not being able to really provide much consistency, obviously able to do a little bit with the three-point shooting at the beginning of the season. Then um, he was able to heat up. Uh, in the last stretch uh, there before he uh, before Maryland lost Alabama in the tournament there. But I think just kind of him being able to, to kind of pick up the slack a little bit from Jameer, I think, will really be able to help Maryland. And then um, lastly, I think it'll be interesting to see just what Maryland's defense looks like. I think, you know, Willard cautioned just what the defense, you know, how aggressive he's going to get just kind of in that first year in the system. Now he's in year two and he hasn't been shy in the past that we're going to ramp up the the press, the, the pressures. Um, and, you know, that, that relies on your freshmen kind of being on their P's and Q's there. Um, and, you know, whether it's the full court, I think uh, the half court traps, I think last year, I think a lot of fans kind of welcome that new defensive style. So how that looks um, and, and especially how that looks on the road, I think will kind of determine uh, Maryland's overall success until March. Yeah, for me, uh, you took my first one with your, with your last one. It's what does that pressure look like? What does year two of the system really look like? I think it's something that's a little bit overlooked in the modern era of college basketball with all the transfers with the big freshmen is a good system really can't be beat. If you look at Jay Wright's Villanova teams, if you look at the success that North Carolina has had over time, they, they do get big recruits, but ultimately their systems prevail in, in the long runs and into March. I think that really seeing Willard talked a lot about, I mean, you, you and I were at his uh, rolling road country club when he did a sit down uh, with yeah. the Babe Ruth uh, birthplace museum last year. And he was talking about how they're going to get up and down the court. They're going to press hard on defense. And then you saw glimpses of it when they were really successful. And when they got away from it last year, that's when they lost games and put up, you know, 50s or 60s in, in the points category. Second one is going to be, can they find a three-point shooter? You know, we brought in a transfer with Chance Stevens. He he has a shot of making it on the court, I'm hearing. Uh, this year at some point, but can he really contribute much um, at, at that point? Where does he find his role? Can maybe one of these freshmen step up and really bring the scoring? Talked about, you know, Don Carey, and, and that's my third point, kind of goes back to what he is. Can we keep guys that really aren't contributing off the floor and out of the rotation? Or, or are we going to find ourselves in that spot where a guy that's not a great defensive stopper and is meant to score is on the court because he can just play basketball at this level, or they brought in some of the depth between the freshmen, some of these transfers to keep those guys. When a guy's not playing well, they can really sit him down on the bench. And maybe if it's a starter, they get something close to 17 to 20 minutes. If it's a guy that's a rotational piece that you see have 13 minutes on a good night, maybe they get three, you know, generally you can tell really quickly with rotational players, what kind of night they're having, how the game rhythm is affecting them. Can Maryland get to the point of depth where we can bring in, uh, another guy maybe to fill that gap or change, adjust our game plan when the game is not going our way instead of having to play the same seven guys every game and really, you know, only playing an eighth or a ninth guy when, you know, Julian Reese has four fouls in the first half, for example. You know, how can they find that depth 
uh, with this team. And again, those are things that define your ability generally to win on the road when the whistle's not going your way and and win at home against opponents that that have that edge and, and star player power that I think Maryland will have this year, but you know they don't have a Zach Eady as of right now. No, they don't. I think the last point you made, and I think I, I think you hit the nail right on the head there. And for me, um, it was very hard to think about any other player than Noah Bachelor. I feel like that he's probably that second year guy where you know he's going to possibly try and be that three point specialist. And I feel like that's maybe that guy where um, that, that kind of fits fits the description of, of kind of maybe that guy off the bench that, you know, just being able to, to kind of rely on their production. I think he, he, he definitely goes a long way in that. Yeah. I think he fits that in, in a couple ways, actually, from my points is, you know, he's one of those guys who's not really a strong suited game. You know, he's supposed to be a dead on shooter. He's supposed to be that, that sharpshooter for this basketball team. And on a night where he comes off the bench, if he doesn't have that, maybe he's right back on there and you see him play four minutes. On a night where he's hot, he might get 20. You know, just having that flexibility, having those flex guys that can, you know, really eat up minutes and, and have great games when they're hot and really not need to be out on the court when they're not doing what they do best, th- that seems to be key. And that's that's when you know kind of two things. One is that's when you know you're geared up to win, especially in March, because a guy like Bachelor or a guy like Stevens gets hot you know, in, in that time. And suddenly they're, they're winning you games with their scoring ability. And, and at the same point, it allows you to say, okay, it gives more than one guy the opportunity to play more than one guy, the opportunity to take up minutes, develop all that stuff, keep them on the team, keep them out of the portal. Cause at least they know nights when they're having, you know, when it's their day, there's no doubt they're going to be on the court. You know, it kind of, it serves you in, in many ways, especially with how far this team can go. I think we both agree if they get hot, they're a sweet 16 elite eight team that can really push if things go their way, but also they could be susceptible if the freshmen end up being really the contributors at the beginning of the year. Suddenly you find yourself out in the first round because you have so many young guys on the court. Yeah, I think that's definitely valid. Um, you know, I think just, I think, I think I don't know what gives me a little bit more confidence, just kind of in Maryland's ability to kind of maybe take that next step and definitely be more consistent on the road. It's just Maryland's familiarity. I mean, just kind of having those vets come back and just kind of having freshmen, you know, again, the performances can, you know, those can definitely vary, but I think uh, the mentality, the the day in, day out, the habits, those those seem to, to kind of give confidence. And then just having Jameer Young, obviously just being able to, to be that facilitator, that, that uh, ultra score inside and out a little bit, obviously, uh, obviously very dynamic uh, attacking the rim there, but um, you, you kind of mentioned just, the, the freshman there, and I think definitely a big part of Maryland's success this year hinges on you know just how impactful this freshman class is. But if we're if we're going off Willard's word, um, he's he's feeling pretty good about them. Yeah, and I think that I think that's where we can leave it. Coach Coach says um, like they always do on media day, they paint a very very positive picture, and I'm not saying that it's not a positive picture for Maryland basketball. I'm just saying basketball media day seems to be the most just positive about my team. You know, the guys that I've got, the rotation that we've built all across the country. I've I've seen it at this point at three schools and you hear the same things at all three. Yeah. It's definitely definitely valid. It just feels like, um, it just feels like a lot of what Willard does say. And granted, you know, it's coach speaking. It's not even like just a a Willard thing, you know, just how how coaches kind of are, but just feels like the, the public feedback matches what people privately say about, DHS and, and and Jamie Kaiser Jr. Um, so I think that's that that all of that overall alignment um, is a big reason why those guys have the, are stepping into those you know freshman big time roles. 
Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you on Willard. He he is on the on the. I, I enjoy Kevin Willard as a coach that speaks to the media. I don't really think I've seen a basketball coach quite like him that just you know will show up and take questions. You see him at events and same thing. He's willing to answer and when you ask something that he doesn't think is smart, he's not afraid to tell you that either. Yeah, and we got a uh, rare opening statement yesterday, so that was uh, that was much appreciated. Starting year two off on the right note. All right. Well, I don't. I don't really want to give any predictions. Uh, I, I will say I think that we both laid it out. We think that you know this team can can get pretty far and can certainly will probably have that same up and down as many teams that have a lot. But I see it on the bright side. I'll, I'll throw it out there. I think it's a twenty four plus uh, win team. I really think they have that opportunity. I think they can get up and down the court, and if everybody stays healthy and, and things go well for them, uh, I really don't think they'll be challenging the non conference. And I think they can push. I'll agree with you. I think they can push uh, close to the top. Uh, in the Big Ten, if not, if not take a share uh, of the regular season championship. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Obviously, they kick off the season November 7th against uh, Mount St. Mary's, and then they go right in that Asheville championship or that, uh, excuse me, that Asheville, Asheville tournament uh, against Davidson. Um, you know, I think the, the that early season matchup against Villanova, I wish that game, you know, November 17th, I wish that game was maybe a week or two later. Um, but, you know, they'll they'll have UCLA a little bit after they kick off uh, Big Ten play against uh, Indiana, Penn State. Um, but it just feels like, you know, there, there will be a couple opportunities. Obviously, that Villanova game will definitely be a big barometer just to kind of see what this Maryland team looks like. It will also probably be a weird feeling seeing uh, Hakeem Hart uh, not just uh, playing against Maryland but in a different uniform. It's probably like very similar feeling to how, how a lot of Maryland fans felt seeing uh, Darren Marcel in a Marquette uniform there. But um, I think I think Maryland will be able to, to kind of see early on, you know, what this team kind of is. Um, and again, I think, you know, whether whether they, that this freshman class is kind of able to, you know, hit the ground running immediately um, or if this team is able to, you know, kind of find a way to really hit its dry January, February, March and kind of kind of get hot into um in tournament play, but uh, in terms of expectations, I mean, obviously coming off a 22 win season last year, I think this team is more talented uh, on paper. Uh, I think that there's uh, obviously just considering the freshman class, what they're able to do. I think um, there's just a lot more confidence in these guys um, being able to, to kind of impact the game in a number of different ways on both ends of the court. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think 24, 25 wins is, is definitely reasonable there, but um, will be interesting to see kind of how, what Maryland looks like, obviously, they got a, a couple couple non-conference games, not a crazy slate, obviously, in College Park, but a couple marquee games to, to kind of see, you know, how does Maryland really stack up? And, um, you know, if, if this is a Maryland team that we kind of think or maybe expect, then probably don't have to wait too long to see them in the top 25. No, I don't, I don't think you will. I mean, look, we lack a little bit of those early season huge matchups, but you certainly have your UCLA, your Villanova, the Asheville Championship. They're going to be competitive games. They're going to – they're going to catch some eyes, and and given where the Terps are, kind of unofficially in the AP poll, I'll agree with you. I don't think it's long before they're ranked, and honestly, it's not long before the ball is tipped either. And we're going to have those combo pods coming at the end of the year where we're talking basketball and football uh, for all the Maryland basketball coverage that you need. Check out inside the Black and Gold.net. You can catch all Ahmed's insider coverage there, and of course, uh, give this podcast a subscribe, a like if you watch it on YouTube. Subscribe to the Insider Black and Gold YouTube channel. And as always, you can catch all of our Terps coverage here. For Ahmed Kafir, I am Mason Viner. As always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.